Morning, everyone. Hello, everybody online today. Hope you're having a good morning. Now, we are continuing in our series um, that is looking at what Jesus did after he died on the cross, rose again, went back to heaven, and what he continued to do through the church on earth and what he continues to do now. So last week, Matthew was teaching us about Saul's conversion. Now, Saul was a Hebrew, he was a Pharisee, he was a zealous Jew who had a vision of Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he was traveling down the Damascus Road with the intent to arrest the new Christians, the new believers, the new church, and drag them off into prison to bring them before the high priests that they would be trialed. And his intent is that they would be executed and put to death. And as he was going down the Damascus road, he saw a vision of Jesus in the sky, and Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, Jesus saw as he was persecuting the church, it was as if he was persecuting Jesus himself personally. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you're persecuting. At that moment, he realized that Jesus was true, he was the Messiah, He was actually going down the wrong track, down the wrong road, literally, and his life was transformed through this vision of Jesus Christ, and he became a devout follower of Jesus. And he had a name change from Saul to Paul, which signified the dynamic, revolutionary change that had taken place in his life. And he was called by Jesus to be an apostle. Now, the word apostle is a Greek word, and it basically means sent one. And he was called to be a sent one, not to the Jewish community, but to the Gentile world. And the Gentile world was the Jewish name for all people who did not belong, who weren't Jews. So that was the Jews and the Gentiles with everybody else. And he was called to bring the message of Jesus, the transforming message, the transforming power that Paul had received and experienced to the Gentile world. So let's pick up on on Paul or Saul's story here and where, where things take him from onwards from this dramatic conversion experience. Now remember this, Paul became... I think, the most influential Christian that the world has ever seen. Most of the New Testament writings were written by Paul, and he founded so many churches in the New Testament, and we are the benefactors, uh, um, the beneficiaries of Paul's life and ministry today. So it says here, Saul, after his conversion, spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Once he began to preach in the synagogue, that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who are called on his name? And hasn't he come to take them away as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So right at the beginning here, We see that Paul, this new Christian, this new convert with a call on his life, but 
hadn't even started yet. In its infancy, he got off to a good start. It says immediately he started sharing his faith, telling people about his experience, telling people that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, God in human form, come to show us what God is like, die on the cross that we may know forgiveness and a relationship with him and have God in his life. Through receiving Jesus, we receive God and his purpose for our lives and a place in heaven. And there he was telling this tremendous story. And no doubt he started with his testimony, his own story. I mean, he, he was in the journey of discovering who Jesus was. And that's a great place to start. I remember when I first became a Christian, just before I was 20 years old, well, actually, you know, yeah, was, I had an encounter with God nearly on 28th of February, 1982, and my birthday was March 15th. So, you know, just, just, just before I was 20, and I went back to my friends that I was hanging out with, and I didn't know how to explain. I, I hadn't even been to church yet. It was too early. I hadn't even found a church yet, and I started sharing my faith or what had happened, sharing my story. And they said, well, tell me all about it. And I said, I, I, I can't explain to you the what and the how and the wherefore, but all I know is that Jesus is alive and he's changed my life. And that's it. And that's all I had to say. And maybe Paul just started with something like this, but sharing our personal story that we have met with Jesus and for Paul, it was on the Damascus Road for a vision. Through others, it might be through a friend sharing their story. For others, it might be an alpha course. Through others, it might be through reading the Bible. There may be so many different ways in which Jesus comes to us. But we know that Jesus has come to us and transformed our lives. And we're not the same anymore. And whilst we might not have a name change like Saul to Paul, we have certainly had a life change. And that verse in the Bible has become true for us. It says, if any man is in Christ, as any man is a Christian, he is a brand new person. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's what I experienced. And here's Paul getting off to a good start, doing, doing something really helpful and really useful he began to share his faith. And that's a great example for us all, that we begin to tell others <clears throat> about what Jesus has done for us. And even if that's all we've got to say, it's a fantastic starting place. But the thing is, many people start well, like Paul. But it's not how you start isn't the important thing, but how you finish. Because Jesus has come into our lives... Not to change us for a good start, but he's actually come into our lives that we may have a fantastic future. And it says that God has a plan for our lives, and one of the plans is that we become like Jesus. We become more and more like him, and as we become more and more like him, we are equipped, because of his work in our lives, to fulfill the purpose and the reason in which he's put us on this planet and created us in the first place. So it's not about just becoming a Christian, waiting to die to go to heaven, but it actually fulfilling God's eternal purpose for your life and my life. 
God has something in mind for you. He knows what you want to become, what he wants you to become, and he knows what he wants you to do, not just now, but throughout all eternity. So it's the it's the end game that is important, not just the starting place. And so Paul's off to a good start. And it's so important that We actually, like Paul, finish the race. Now, I've discovered, and as so many people have discovered, over the course of our Christian lives and many years in ministry now, that one of the most important things for us to keep going, keep growing, and keep moving and discovering the plan and the purposes of God for our lives and having a vision for the future is that we get planted and embedded in, like a plant, in good soil. And for the Christian, the soil where we're planted is the family of God or the spiritual family, a church. Just as a plant can't survive on its own unless it's in the right environment, it won't flourish, it won't bear the seeds, it won't multiply, it won't fulfill all its potential, but over time it would wither and die and become less than it could be. A beautiful plant or seed in the garden fulfilling its potential. We need to be planted in good soil, in families, human beings grow well in families. Nobody thrives well outside of family. Nobody thrives well outside of relationship and community. We're brought up in the Western world with Greek thinking to think that life is a solo deal, my potential, my future, me, myself, I. But actually, that's not the way God has wired us up. He's wired us up relationally. He's created us for community. We're made for each other, one another. We cannot survive and thrive unless we're in meaningful, loving, quality, friendship, socialization, and relationships. And family, it's a bit like coals. If you want a coal to say hot and fiery, it needs to stay connected with the other holes. These coals cannot stay warm and on fire on their own. It's only as the heat of others keeps fueling that heat and generating that heat that it begins to rage and becomes burning hot. And Saul Started off well with a passion. He was on fire. He was burning hard. He was raging for God, so to speak. And here was a danger in which he could have lost that passion. And the, and the reason why he could have lost that passion, because he may not have connected with a community of believers that would have fueled and f- helped him grow and uh, prepared him for his amazing future that God had for him. You see, remaining in Jesus is very important. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you remain in me like a branch, you can't bear fruit. You can do nothing apart from me. But remaining in Jesus is more than personally reading my Bible, praying to Jesus on my own private time, my personal faith, my personal belief, my private my private time with God, whether it be worship with a, you know, listening to our headphones at the gym or down the road or on a run or in the car or as we're working. It's more than what I do personally. Remaining in Jesus is to remain in 
his family, his community, his body. The church is called the body of Christ. It, has, it is actually connected with Jesus. And as we remain in the body of Christ, the church, not just pursuing this Christian life on our own, we're actually remaining in the life flow of Jesus and his, and his spirit. And we'll see this later, later on as I go through this talk. His spirit, his life comes to us through others. Yes, God can touch our lives out of the blue individually. You can have a Damascus road. But to grow, he grows us through ministering to others, feeding us, growing us, watering us by his spirit, coming close to us, encouraging us through others. That's the way he's planned it. Because we're human. We're relational. We're made in the image of God. We are designed to do it Together, remaining in Jesus, is uh, part of that is becoming integrated into his family, the church, the body of Christ. Now, Paul, as a devout Jew, would have understood this corporate family or the people together concept of faith and relationship with God. He would have had a deep appreciation and understanding of the people of God together, not just an individual faith. A Jew's identity was wrapped up in the fact that we are the people of God. And we worship God, not just individually and collectively. In fact, the law in the Old Testament wasn't given to an individual. It was given to the people of God. Their whole faith was a relational God with uh, individually, and it worked out corporately as well. And he would have had an amazing and um, deep appreciation of what it was to belong to the people of God, not just pursue his own faith individually. And how important that was to express his faith and grow in his relationship with God and worship God as God wanted him to. So Paul would have wanted to connect with the church straight away. And here was the problem. He wanted to connect with the Jerusalem church, but the Jerusalem disciples knew of his reputation. They knew that he was a murderous, persecuting, Christian-hating terrorist, in a nutshell. And he was bringing terror to the whole church and dragging them off to prison. And it says that the disciples were fearful of him and didn't trust him. It says when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He tried to join the Jerusalem church. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They didn't receive him. They didn't allow him to come into their community. He was left out in the cold. And this could have been an absolute disaster for Paul. As it is for so many individuals who either don't connect with the church, either because we haven't seen it important in and ourselves, or they struggle to find their way in for one reason or another, just like Paul did. 
It would have been a disaster for Paul because he wouldn't have grown, he wouldn't have fulfilled his potential. And believe it or not, it would have been a disaster for you and me. Because so much of our Christian teaching and Christian wisdom and foundation of Christian living was given to us by Jesus through Paul in the letters that he wrote to those many churches that he founded because he actually came in to the full purposes of God. He grew into it, which we'll see in the course of time. So what happened? Well, we do benefit from Paul's ministry now. And God used one man to connect Paul with the church that changed everything for him. One man. And that man was Barnabas. God used Barnabas, a follower of Jesus, to integrate Paul into the life of the church. And Barnabas was a bridge from the outside into the inside of the church, which actually launched Paul into his future ministry. So let's read it together. But, I love that word in the Bible, don't you? Paul is on the outside. Is he going to grow? Is the purposes of God going to be fulfilled in his life? But, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. We can see here how Barnabas looked at Paul with different eyes. The disciples looked at Paul with suspicion, looking at his past. They looked at Paul from a self-preservation point of view. What's going to happen to us if we let this man into our ranks out of fear? But Barnabas saw the grace of God upon him. He saw the work of God upon him. He saw the future. He recognized his call. He saw the best in him. And he took a risk. And he took him to the apostles. And he built a bridge from the outside to the inside. He spoke up for Paul. He helped Paul integrate into the local church personally, relationally. He introduced him relationally to the others that he actually then belonged. We see how the Holy Spirit used Barnabas to form relationships with the church so that Paul in his personal growth or ministry wouldn't falter. Now here's the thing. It is very tempting to think that God will grow the church or help an individual thrive and grow and flourish without any involvement from us. It's tempting to think that people will discover Christ, find Christ, enable them to grow and fulfill God's purpose without us, other people's involvement. God never works in the lives of others 
without others being involved. God has ordained, he's chosen, he's decided from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation to actually move and speak and help and bring his presence to other people's lives through other people. And those other people are you and me and people like you and me. God has worked throughout humankind through others. That's the way it works. And so our playing our part in helping people discover Jesus and become a part of church community that they may grow and that they may fulfill their full potential is absolutely vital. Now Barnabas wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't one of those chosen 12 people that Jesus chose when he was on earth. He might have been one of the 72. He called 72 other disciples and sent them out. Or he might have been amongst the 120 in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Or maybe amongst the 500 that Jesus appeared to when he was alive and risen from the dead. But he wasn't one of those unique 12. And yet God used him just like he wants to use you and he wants to use me to help Paul become a part of the church that Paul may grow in his relationship with Jesus and become all that Jesus wanted him to become, to do all that Jesus wanted him to do. He uses people. Can I just say, people's growth and future potential in God depends often on you and me whether we will be a Barnabas that will reach out, put our arm alongside, draw alongside, be a build bridger, help people find friends. Help people find friends that are meaningful. Help people find community and belong. Help people come into the warmth of the inside not live on the cool of the outside. What was it about Barnabas that made him so helpful to God and others? Well, the clue is in his name. In Acts 4, we read that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. You see, Saul had a name change. Barnabas had a name change. Barnabas was called Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because there was something in Barnabas that they recognized was like God, like the Holy Spirit. The word Barnabas, what does it mean? Well, Bar means son of. So it means son of, originating from. So you've got the DNA of a parent here. And Abbas is the Greek word for, well, it's the, it's the Greek word that Jesus used when he said, I'm going to go away and send you the Holy Spirit. And the comforter and the encourager will come alongside you. So the Greek word that Jesus used then is parakletos. And it means one who draws alongside to encourage. One who draws alongside to encourage. Abbas means, in the Greek, one who draws alongside. It's the same word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit. So what was it about Barnabas? 
he had something of the DNA of the Holy Spirit in him, something of the characteristics, the genetic code, the instinct of the Holy Spirit. And what was that one? To reach out and to draw alongside in order to encourage. That's what made Barnabas so useful to God, so strategically, so powerfully, that Paul grew and became a world-changing ministry. Barnabas was a man, it says in the Scriptures, was full of the Holy Spirit, and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit poured out of him to the benefit of others and everyone he met. It also says of Barnabas that he was a good man, and it says that he was a generous man. So we learn he's a good man, he's an encouraging man, and he's a generous man. And out of the encouraging heart, the good-hearted heart, the generous heart, Paul reached out to others. Barnabas was generous towards others, generous in his time, generous in his attitude, generous in his outlook, generous in his consideration, generous in the opinions and the judgment that he formed about others. The disciples should have known better, to be fair, the apostles. They were frightened of him, but Barnabas was generous, and he took him, he drew alongside, and he spoke up, and he introduced, and he broke down the barriers, and he built a bridge, and then Paul became embedded within the heart of the church. Now, wouldn't it be great, brilliant in fact, if every church was full of Barnabases? Wouldn't it be fantastic if every church was full of Barnabases, that all could see the potential in others and reached out to help in order for them to become part of the relational fabric of a church, that they may grow in Jesus that God's purpose may fully mature in their lives. Generous in time, generous in socializing, generous in friendship, generous in getting to know people, generous in building trust. Now, I've got to say that this church uh, has many, 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 many such people. Sarah was telling me uh, this week, actually it was yesterday actually, how... How with Howard's funeral, for example, um, Harold, H Howard, uh, if my memory serves me right, came on an Alpha course in 2006 uh, as an elderly man, retired elderly man. The Holy Spirit touched him. His life was revolutionary. He, he was changed by the presence and the power of God. I've rarely met a man who so devoured the Bible after that and, and loved Christ in such a wonderful way. Now, the reality of it is many of you in this room today um, and watching online and those of you who, when we're all here and COVID is not over and we're all together again, will never have met Howard because for many years now he became blind and, and he's been... Um, uh, restricted to his home and hasn't been able to be here. And it's been difficult for him. So many of you won't know him, but he listens every Sunday 
to the talks and the services online, not just recently with live stream, but when it was just recorded and you'd have the message. Every Sunday, and his father was telling me, sometimes he'd be listening to it three, four, five times or so during the course of the week, still feeling apart. And what touched Sarah and myself as we were discussing this yesterday is with the funeral, so many of you in this church have offered and made yourselves available to help with the funeral, whether it be the band or setting up the live stream or the sound. Because when you put a a building on this side and have a service, it takes a whole stack of people just to make the thing work. It's not just a matter of opening up the room, but there's so many technical things and things to set out, even in the COVID rules and everything that has to be prepared in advance. And so many of you who don't even know Howard... I've said, I'll be there. I know some of you have planned to go and visit people and have put that visit off so you can be here for somebody you've never met. I know some people who are on holiday and you have been putting technical things together whilst you're on holiday for somebody that you may never have ever met. And as we talked, Sarah and I in the garden, we were talking about it yesterday, We were just moved so deeply with the generosity of heart that you have for others. And wouldn't it be great if we could keep growing, keep moving, keep maturing, with that Barnabas heart. I'm so grateful for the Barnabases in my life. When I first became a Christian, sometime later in my early 20s, I went to my first Sunday church meeting. Now, when I walked into this church meeting, this was around 82, so this is a long, long time ago now. Things were different then. It wasn't like a come-as-you-are culture. Everybody was suited and booted. I mean, they all wore ties and nice suits, and the girls wore, women's wore skirts and hats everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I walked in on a Sunday night, 6 p.m. service, to this particular church. Everybody was suited and booted with hats and skirts and blouses with thrilly bits around the collar. And I was wearing leather jeans, long hair, earrings, I must have looked like a right scruff in their eyes and from a totally different planet because I was converted from one life to another life and my life was changed. And uh, I remember at the end of the service, this young man in his 20s came up to me and he started to talk to me and befriended me. He wasn't put off and he looked... He looked you could see that his world was not the world that I'd just come out of. Yeah, he came up to me and he befriended me and he asked me what I was doing the following day because the following day, it was a Maybank holiday and there was a church picnic and he invited me to go to the church picnic. And so I did, on my own, because he invited me, because God had touched me and now I was reaching out to find My way. And I didn't know my way in this new walk. 
And I needed others, and I just had this instinct I should go along, so I did go along, and he invited me, so I turned up at Porth Kerry Park on the following morning, Maybank holiday, and he was looking out for me. And he could have gone and chat. I'm sure his girlfriend, or fiancé then I think it was, wanted to, to hang out with her and have the picnic, and the other young people, he came over and he talked to me. He befriended me, and then he be introduced me to others. And then one thing led to another because those others invited me to something else. And he was a Barnabas to me, and I'm deeply grateful for that. And I remember there was another couple in the church. Now, I was in my 20s. There was a retired couple in the church who were in their mid-60s, I think. They were retired from mid-60s, late-60s. Again, not my relational demographic. But they came up to me and they said, they invited me to their home to eat. And I would go and they invited me to their home to eat. And they would pray for me. They would encourage me. They would, I could ask questions. They would talk to me about the Bible. They gave me some advice and wisdom. And they opened up their home to me and said, I can call around any time. Now, I was leaving one world and finding another world. And I didn't have any Christian friends. And what does a young 20-year-old do every night on their own? And I can remember many occasions just, being, just having nothing to do, but I would get in the car, well, not my car, my mother's car, I'd get my mum's car, and I would go over to David and Josie Neal's, and they wouldn't be expecting me. I'd knock on the door, and they always had me in. Sometimes I'd be doing this three or, three or four times a night. They must, their hair must have been pull, pull, falling out of when I'm thinking about it now. But you know, they never gave off that vibe. They always welcomed me. They always loved me. I had the warmth of human friendship. They prayed for me. They taught me. In that place, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In that place, I received my first prophecy from God. In that place, I'd learned about the New Testament and the, and the Old Testament. In that place, I talked about my problems, and they prayed for me. In that place, they opened my mind up to a bigger picture of what God had. And then there was another fellow called Jonathan Harris. Jonathan Harris he was going to join a missionary organization, but he took me under his wing. And in the summer holidays, because he was a teacher and he was changing role to go to a missionary organization, in the summer holidays, he took me on the, on the wing and he organized events and kids' work and they did missions. And he took me in to come along with me and he began to just draw alongside me and I drew alongside him. And then before he went, he said, I want to introduce you to somebody. He took me around to another key leading ministry within the city of Cardiff, Pete Hodge. And he introduced me to another ministry like Paul did. And then he went off on his missionary journeys, and I was there with Pete Hodge. And in those days, I was so shy, I was so embarrassed, I <laughs> couldn't string a sentence together because I was so self-conscious. And Here's this 20-year-old introverted kid sitting in Pete Hodge's office ask me, asking about my story and how I came to Jesus and what I wanted to do with my life. And Pete saw beyond the surface like Barnabas. And he took me under his wing. And he drew alongside. And he taught me how to preach and teach and give me opportunity. And he corrected me and advised me and mentored me. Barnabases. Do you know without those Barnabases, 
I would never have begun to grow and fulfill God's purpose for my life. I had a call. I had a dramatic conversion. But it would have all shriveled up and died like a plant in the garden and come to nothing if it wasn't for the Barnabases. But for Barnabas. So here we have it. I want to encourage you to be a Barnabas. You can be a Barnabas. God uses Barnabases. Right, there's so many people right now searching for the Lord. So many people that God is putting his finger upon. So many people who are actually waking up to the fact that there is a God and God loves them and there's more to life than what we're experiencing in this material world. There's so many people making their way and watching things online. There's so many people beginning to pray and dip into the Bible. There's so many people who are beginning to turning up on the doorsteps of churches on Sunday mornings with a heart that is being turning towards God and God is pulling and tugging and speaking and whispering and putting an instinct and a desire in their heart to find him and they feel they should be finding church and they're turning up. But it's at this time that the Barnabas ministries are critical so that we can welcome people into the family relationally that they may grow. And that's what Barnabas did. And I want to encourage you to do the same. So I just want to finish on this. Barnabas was used by God to cause this amazing ministry to grow. So in conclusion, let's be those who draw alongside others. Let's be those who continually are generous, put ourselves out, so to speak, out our time, generous with our time, really is generous with our time, generous with our time to connect people to our own lives and connect people to others. Let's be those who encourage people to grow in their faith and in all that God has for them in their future. Let's become a church, an increasing church of Barnabases. We can all welcome, we can all befriend, we can all support, we can all encourage, we can all reach out and be generous. We can all help others to grow. How did Jesus continue to work on earth when he was in heaven? To a large extent, he did it through people like Barnabas. He did it through Barnabases. It's how he worked then, and it's no different. It's how he works now. He works through people like you and me. Can I encourage you to be a bridge builder, a friendship bringing, a bringer, and a friendship connector so people connect meaningfully in community, the family of God, the body of Christ, that they may grow and fulfill all that God has for them. Amen. God bless. Thank you.